1 Corinthians 15, verse 42, and we're going to read down through verse 45. Now, I will say I've preached this message here before, way back in 2020. I say way back, it seems like just yesterday, but brother, I was in church Sunday night with, with Jim and Olathe, and brother Mays preached a message on, on Jericho, it's time to shout, but as he was preaching, this message came back in my mind, and you'll see why here in a few moments. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 42 through 45. So also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown in corruption. It is raised in incorruption. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. And so it is written, the first man, Adam, was made a living soul. The last Adam was made a quickening spirit. Amen. And it's from this stepping off point that I want to begin to teach or preach whatever it comes out to be tonight. Building blocks or blockers. Building blocks or blockers. Amen. Let's talk to the Lord and ask him to help us today. Can we do that, Lord? We love you. God, I thank you for your grace and your mercy. God, I'm asking that you would allow the Holy Ghost to minister to our hearts. Let our hearts be receptive to what you have to say in this place tonight. Lord, I pray that you would anoint these lips of clay, this mind of mine, to say only the things you want me to say. We magnify your holy name. We praise you for it today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen. Praise God can be seated tonight. <clears throat> Amen. Before I get back to our text tonight, I do want to go and I want to talk about Joshua. And I want to talk about Jericho. And I, I want to point out some things in this story of Joshua and leading the children of Israel into Jericho. God caused them to go over across on dry land across the Jordan, upon the dry ground. But before he told them to go across, he said, I want you to do some things for me. I want you to assign 12 men as representatives of each of the 12 tribes of Israel. And I want each of these 12 men to place 12 stones from this side of Jordan, in the center of the Jordan. And then I want you to assign another 12 men to take up stones from the middle of the Jordan, and I want you to have them carry them across to the other side of Jordan, and I want you to stack them there as a memorial that God brought you through the Jordan on dry ground. Joshua chapter 4, verse 4 through 7 says, Then Joshua called the twelve men whom he had prepared of the children of Israel out of every tribe a man. And Joshua said to them, Pass over before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of Jordan, and take you up every man of you a stone upon his shoulder, according unto the number of the tribes of the Is children of Israel that this may be a sign among you that, they, that when your children ask their fathers, 
in time come, saying, What mean you by these stones? Then you shall answer them, The waters of Jordan were cut off before the ark of the cut of before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. And when it passed over Jordan, the waters of Jordan were cut off, and these stones shall be for a memorial unto the children of Israel, not just a few days, but he said forever. Now, they crossed the Jordan. Why did they cross the Jordan? Well, because they had to enter into the promised land. We know these things. I don't have time to really unpack all of that. But one of the things that God wanted them to signify was the fact that they didn't just walk through the water to get to the other side, but that God had yet again, just like he did with the Red Sea, he opened up the Jordan and they walked across on dry ground. And when they got to the other side, they had a, a visible memorial that was raised that they could testify to God's greatness of their children, to their children from generation to generation. Amen. Then after they crossed the Jordan, they camped and they came to a city called Jericho. And when they came to that city, they knew they had to overthrow Jericho before they could move on into the Canaanite land to possess it. Now, the people of Israel were coming into Jericho. As they came, a city, this was not just a regular city. It was not just a bunch of wood panels stu stood up or, or, wood, um, or wood trunks that were stood up around what we see as fortresses in our common day, uh, even in, in the, in the uh, history of America. But what they saw when they came to Jericho was very massive walls. Amen. This place was built. There were more than just one set of walls. Amen. There were two sets of walls, both of them very massive. These walls were built very high and they were very thick. In fact, the inner set of walls, it has been said that they were wide enough to hold chariot races upon the top of it. Um, and so here... We also have the ancient history encyclopedia saying that the city of Jericho covered 430,000 square feet and it was surrounded by a wall that was 11.8 feet tall and 5.9 feet at the base of the wall. This was the inner wall that we're talking about, nearly 6 feet wide, 11, nearly 12 feet tall. Amen. And God told Joshua, that they would not begin to try to destroy these walls, but yet God told them, I want you to walk around the wall once a day for six days. Then on the seventh day, they had to walk around the city seven times. Amen. Joshua told the people that while they're doing this, they are not to make a noise whatsoever. Can you imagine the tale? You have to walk in around this entire city and you can't make one sound. Think you could do it? Do you think Carlos could do it? <laughs> they had to walk around and they had to be quiet. They had to keep their thoughts to themselves. You know one of the reasons why I feel like God told Joshua to tell the people to be quiet is because um, how many of you have been on a long car ride before? 
Yeah, and what's one of the things that the kids begin to ask mom and dad? As soon as you're just left the town, barely. What's the question you ask? Are we there yet? Or how much longer? I'm bored. I don't want to be in the car anymore. I want, I want to do something else, right? Now, just imagine you got a bunch of people that are sick and tired of walking around the same place over and over. Can you imagine they're going to start complaining about what they're doing? They're going to say, man, is this really necessary? Did Joshua really hear from God? Did God really say we have to walk around this place this many times? I can't believe God would do something like that to us. You with me tonight? And so God said, hey, I want you to keep your mouth shut. You can think all you want to. He said, but I don't want you stirring up each other. Amen. I want you to obey what I've asked you to obey. Amen. And so I think I didn't have this in my notes, but Brother May said this the other night. He said there was at least 40, 43,000 soldiers that were going to be there to battle. He said, so I'm thinking at least there were 43,000 people walking around this wall. Amen. But whether or not the children and the, the moms and, the, and, and everybody else was walking around, I don't know, but I do know this much. Amen. The army was walking around that place, and they were not allowed to say a word until, amen, Joshua said this in Joshua 6 and 10. Joshua commanded the people saying, you shall not shout nor make any noise with your mouth, neither shall any word proceed out of your mouth until the day I bid you or I tell you shout. Then you shall shout. So they marched as the Lord commanded Joshua. I'm sure for a solid week as they would march around this city, they began studying the height of the wall and the thickness of the walls. I'm sure they realized they were being looked upon from above. I'm sure that they were likely being taunted, and I'm sure that there were people that were jeering, and I'm sure, amen, we, we can't ever preach about Jericho unless we say, what are you doing? We're going to knock your walls down, right? By walking around in circles? What logic is that? There, there's no logic in the fact that, that hey, God said we're going to, overthrow this city and we're going to do it by first walking around this place 13 times can I get an amen so they marched they kept on marching and guess what believe it or not they kept their mouth shut and guess what on the seventh time around the wall on the seventh day Joshua said, shout. And what happened? Mateo, do you know what happened? Huh? Jericho's walls came tumbling down. And they fell down. In fact, archaeologists, and this is one of the things that uh, I didn't realize until I started studying for this message a few years ago, that the archaeologists that dug up Jericho, and began to dig around Jericho, made the uh, discovery that the walls that were above, so you got to understand, 
Can I draw you a picture real quick? Those of you listening online, you're going to have to just imagine with me, all right? But you got to think, all right, they're walking around Jericho, and this is the main, the main place outside of the walls, right? The walls that they're actually walking around are something like these, these altars here, all right? Just imagine these altars surrounding all the way around here. We're walking around it. So we got these lower walls because the city was on, it was a tiered city, okay? There was the lower portion and then there was the higher place. And so then they, they wore, the people were actually walking around the lower walls, but inside the lower walls, there was another set of walls. These were the big walls that we, we always hear about. This is the wall that they were talking about, how they raced chariots and stuff. And so they're walking around, and I can imagine as they're looking, they're wondering, how in the world are we going to go into this city? We've got to first get through this set of walls and get to through that other set of walls. But you've got to understand, between the lower walls and the upper walls, there was a recess between the walls, kind of like a moat. Have you ever seen a moat on an old castle? There wasn't any water in it. It looked, I'm saying it looked like a moat. It wasn't a moat. But they had that lower region where, where the people of lower income lived in that lower area. And inside the big wall is where the richer folks would live is what most people would say. And so as, as they began to look in there, it looked like a moat around there. And, and, and what happened is those big walls that were up the top, when the walls came tumbling down, the Bible said they fell down within themselves. So the top wall came down and filled the ground between the two walls. And then that other wall fell flat in that lower region. And so the first time I ever heard this was actually when Karen uh, Wells was singing uh, Never Lost a Battle. And at the end, he begins to exhort, and he said, the theologians talk about, the archaeologists talk about how the walls became ramps. Remember that? You've seen that, if you've seen that uh, music um, video, I think it is, that he, he was singing that. And I got to study it, and what he said was actually true, and Bishop Riggin actually began to talk about that. And, 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 and we began to realize those walls didn't just, the ground didn't just open and fall down. No, but God set up a way to where each man could go straight up before him. Straight up. And so these walls that they had been walking around, I'm trying to get back to where I was, I was going, but you got to understand these walls they had been walking around, they were blocking them from being able to get into the city. And for most people, they would just look at this and they would say, well, we can't do it. Let's just go home, guys. It's impossible. We can't get through them walls. And it became a blocker for some. And no doubt, some others, uh, uh, as they came to Jericho to overthrow it, they probably were deterred because of the monstrosity of these walls. And, and they said, ah, it's, a, it's an impossible feat. But with God, nothing shall be impossible. These walls that were a blocker for some 
became now not, not a blocker but a building block upon which the children of Israel could grow and go up on and they could get victory over the city. They didn't just go through the motions of walking around the walls because they were wondering if God, no, God said, walk around them walls. And when you walk around and when I tell you to shout, when you shout, what is blocking you now will be something you can build upon at a later time. And you can get the victory over what it is that is trying to block you from the glory of God. Amen. The enemy wants us to look at the walls day in and day out and say, my goodness, it's impossible. I'm never going to make it to heaven if I've got to do this or I've got to do that. Why am I facing all of these situations in life? I am here to tell you, son, child of God, that this thing that you consider a blocker can be something you can build upon if you will just have faith and just Trust God. Hallelujah. No matter what I face in life, there's going to be many things that we have to overcome in life in order to climb a little bit higher. Amen. In fact, in our text, I know it's not the exact trans the, the, the exact way we should translate this or, or, or we should pull out of it. But, but let me just make a simple application to what I read to us in our text tonight. The Bible said, so also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown in corruption, but it is raised into incorruption. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a natural body. There is a natural body and there is a, a spiritual body. And so it is written, the first man, Adam, made a living soul. And the last Adam was made a quickening spirit. What am I trying to grab out of these passages of Scripture? It's very simple. Amen. No matter what we have to deal with here on earth, amen, God is going to take those things and he's going to take the corruptible and he's going to turn it into incorruptible. Amen. Those things that, uh, amen, those things are that, that, that are dishonorable in our life, uh, he can take those things and he can bring glory out of those things. Amen. My God is able to do these things. Amen. He took a man who had introduced this thing called sin into life and he brought another man and he died upon an old rugged cross therefore giving us a building block of salvation so we can move out of the corruption of this whole world. That's the kind of God that we serve. Amen. That's the kind of God that we serve. Amen. Joshua chapter 4 verse number 6. Amen. Remember we talked about the stones that he commanded the, the 12 men to bring out from the middle of the Jordan. Amen. He said this may be a sign among you that, what, that when your children ask their fathers in time to come saying what mean you buy these stones. Amen. They could look at their children and say, hey, amen, you see Jericho over there? You see how the walls are no longer standing tall? Amen. You see how, amen, that, that we, we the, that pile of stones that were so big, I don't know if you caught it, but as we read, amen, the scripture tells us, he told the men, he said, you grab the stone 
and carry it upon your shoulder. He didn't say grab a stone you can carry in the palm of your hand. He said grab a stone that you can carry upon your shoulder and bring it across. I don't want just some puny little thing. I want this to be a memorial that you can build before not just me but your families. Amen. Sometimes Child of God, we have things come into our life and we wonder, why am I going through this? Amen. Let me tell you something. You might be going through this because you have a family member. Amen. You have a child. You have somebody that's looking at you and saying, hey, I know they're going through it right now. Amen. But I want to see how they make it through it. I want to see if they're going to be able to come out on the other side. Amen. With with, uh, uh, with glory, I want to see if they're going to make it without falling on their face. Why, when I go back to that memorial, I can tell my son, Camden, God brought me through this. And I built this just so you could always come back and say, this was dad's memorial that God brought him through that situation. I don't have all the answers to life. I don't know why that, I don't know why lots of times why my wife can come and tell me all of these stories of, of parents that don't even want their children and, and leave them back at, at the hospital and, and when, the, when, the, when the officials come in that, that, that they say, hey, we've got to take your children from you. And the parent almost can't leave fast enough. And then you have good folks like Blake and Kristen, John and Becca, who are wonderful parents or, or could be wonderful parents, but either have lost a child or can't have children. Don't understand that. I don't understand why that God would take a loved one who's not ready to meet him that we've been working with. I don't understand that. But God knows all things. And God has a purpose in all things that he does. And he does all things, the Bible says, he does them all well. When it's all said and done, he can take the corruptible and he can make it incorruptible. When God is finished, he can take something that, that meant nothing at one time and he can make it something beautiful and worthwhile. He can take a weakness and he can bring power from that weakness. He can take a natural body and he can make a spiritual body. And I can't wait for that day to come. A man that came to mind was a man named Cornelius in the book of Acts. Chapter number 10 Cornelius took something, you realize it was impossible for a Gentile to be filled with the Holy Ghost at this point in time because the keys had not been brought to open the door of salvation for a Gentile. But Cornelius wasn't satisfied with just going through life and, 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 and just doing things right. But Cornelius continued to pray 
and he continued to erect a memorial before God and he took what could have been a blocker in his life and he used it and he built upon it and he built upon it and he built upon it. But the angel showed up one day and said, Cornelius, your prayers and your alms have gone up before a memorial before God. And God promised him, I'm going to bring salvation to your house. Everyone in Cornelius' house was filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost that day because a man was not willing to settle for this being a blocker in his life. I'm going to build something that will get God's attention and I'm going to do it until I hear from him. No matter what comes into my life, I've got to understand that what you do with what comes your way will define your destiny. It will determine where you end up. What you do with what comes your way will determine whether you make heaven your home or whether you make hell your home for eternity. If you allow blockers of life to stop you, then you won't make it very far. You will be stuck in the same rut and you will never make it through to the promises that God has given to you. If you realize somehow that was what was meant for a blocker in your life, that the enemy said, hey, I'm going to put something in your way and you're not getting over it. This is going to block you. But my Bible still says this. What you meant for evil. This is what Joseph told his brethren when they came. He said after their father died, they were scared Joseph's going to take the thing from them. Joseph said, no, you got it wrong. What you boys meant for evil, God meant it for good. God used what your evilness inspired to bring life for seven long years of nothingness. God put me in a place where I could help others, where I could bring and help others begin to, to survive a time where they can't grow plants and they can't do this or that. Amen. God used this situation, brothers, for good. God can do anything. Take anything that the devil brings your way. He can say, huh, I'll take that and I'll work that out and I'll make something beautiful out of it. It don't have to stay evil forever. Can I tell you what happens in our lives too often? And I said our lives, including me. That is, we get stuck in what people call a rut. In fact, somebody, I don't remember who it was that I heard the first time say this, but a rut is simply a grave with both ends kicked out. If you've ever been stuck in a rut, physically, I have a few times. If you keep trying to rock yourself back and forth, back and forth, back and forth before too long, you're going to find yourself sitting on the frame right in the mud. And now you're really stuck and you can't do anything one way or another. But if you hook onto something that's up on the solid ground, 
We talked about this with quicksand a few weeks ago. But if you hook up onto something that's on solid ground and, and, and you both begin to drive out, guess what? That help from solid ground can pull you up up onto that solid ground. If you get that rut too deep, you're going to end up bottoming out. It's going to be more difficult to get you out of that situation. But you can still get out of the situation. You don't have to be blocked the rest of your life. God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ever ask or think. According to the power that worketh in us. The power that works on the inside of me. I need more of the Holy Ghost. I need more of his strength. Amen. The Bible says this in Psalm 61 and 2. says, from the end of the earth will I cry unto thee when my heart is overwhelmed. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. It's upon the solid ground of Christ. It's upon the solid rock that we should be found. If we find ourselves falling off in a rut somewhere, all we got to do is reach back up and get a hold of Jesus one more time. Amen. And he'll pull me up out of that place. Amen. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 19 says, Now therefore you are no more strangers and foreigners, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth into an holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are builded together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. Amen. God is trying to build something out of us. Will you let him build something out of you? Amen. The Bible says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse number 15. He said, now this I say, brethren, the flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, neither does, neither does uh, corruption inherit in corruption. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump of at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put up on, uh, put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall shall, uh, so when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass. The saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, or can I say it this way? O hell, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin. The strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And then he finishes with this. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, 
For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Now I began to look at these words steadfast in the original and it simply means, the word steadfast means to be seated, to be settled and firm in the truth of the resurrection and of victory in Christ. Amen. It comes from uh, the Greek word and I'm not going to try to pronounce it. I'll mess it all up. The second thing he said was to be unmovable, which can mean to be unmovable. Let nothing shake you from your faith. And the last word, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Not just going through the motions. Knowing that what you do will be rewarded. I'm not just going through the motions. I'm going to abound. That means to do a lot of it. Amen. In the work of the Lord. Amen. One of the scripture, 1 Corinthians chapter 16, I didn't put it in the notes here, but it says, watch ye. He's closing out his book here to 1 Corinthians. In 1 Corinthians, he said, watch ye. Stand fast in the faith. Quit you like men and be strong. Be strong. I looked up what it meant, what, what the commentator here was thinking about quit you like men, and this is what he said. Quit you like men. Do not flinch in the fight. Do not flinch in the fight. Maintain your ground at all costs. Resist, press forward, and strike deadly blows. I'm not about to let the devil win. I cannot let the devil win. I refuse to let the devil win. And the only time I'm going to quit fighting the fight of faith is when I know that I have completely overthrown the devil. And there's only one time I know the scripture tells me that's going to be possible. And that's when I see my Savior face to face. The Apostle Paul continued on and he told us in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 that he had learned that if he would just cast his cares upon God then God would take care of everything else. Lest I should be exalted above measure, he said, through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may resist, rest upon me. Say, well, how am I going to gain the strength that I, I need to make it through? Well, it's pretty simple. The second book in the, towards the end of the, the second book from the last in our Bibles, Jude, has one chapter. Verse 20 tells me this, but you, beloved, building up yourselves in your most holy faith, 
praying in the Holy Ghost. Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. Are you going to let the things that came and were intended to block you stop you that the enemies brought into your life? I refuse. I refuse. I intend to quit like a man. I intend to stand my ground. I intend to fight until I have nothing left to fight. I intend to make up, amen, my mind that says, hey, until the walls fall down, until I have a ramp to my victory, I'm not stopping until I see amen, my Savior's face in, in that wonderful, glorious day. Hallelujah. If every day I have to fight, then must then fight I. But I can promise you this. When God knows that I'm going through something, I know that the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Amen. He leads me and he guides me. And even if I find myself in the midst of a valley that looks like the shadow of death, I know that I won't have to fear evil. Why? Because his rod and staff comfort me. That's why the, the psalmist ended that passage and he said, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I want to come into his presence day in and day out because that's my source of strength. I'm going to build a memorial. Every time God brings me out in victory, I'm building a memorial because I want to tell somebody. Why do you talk about the things God's helped you with? Preacher, why do you talk about it so often? Well, I just want everybody to know I didn't do it by myself. I had a Savior. I had a rock that is higher than I. And I called upon him and he gave me the strength. Amen. Can we reach out to heaven tonight? Can we lift our voices and worship him? Lord, I'm not going to let these things that come into my life become a blocker in my, in, to my soul. But God, I want to build upon these things so I can go higher in the kingdom of God. I want to draw closer to you, Jesus. I want more of you, God. I need your strength. I need your anointing. I need your power. I need your guidance every day and every hour. Oh, I love you, Jesus, and I praise you in this place today. Oh, help me to continue to walk forward. God, help me, Jesus, to help God to, to, to put my trust in you like I've never put it in you before. Oh, I love you, Jesus, and I magnify your holy name. Oh, we worship you, Jesus. Help us to grow closer to you. Help us to walk closer to you, Lamb of God. We magnify you in this place. We exalt your holy name today, Jesus. Oh, nobody, God, compares to your excellent greatness. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I love you. Thank you for your goodness this evening, Lord. You're worthy to be praised, oh God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. I refuse to let anything block me from heaven. I must build 
amen, some memorials before the Lord. Amen. It's imperative that we seek his face more today than we ever have before. Amen. I need him. I need him. I need him. Hallelujah. Praise God. Well, I'm thankful, amen, for each and every one of you that's here. I thank you for joining us and uh, worshiping with us remotely even. Amen. I, I miss everybody. It's been a couple of weeks since we've had most of the folks in to the service, and, and uh, I know traveling happens and all that stuff, but I just want everybody to know we miss you. I miss you. We love each and every one of you, and uh, we're going to have this weekend, Sunday morning, 10 a.m., we're going to have our Christmas Eve service, and uh, then when that's finished with no Sunday school that day, and then next week, Wednesday night, we'll have service, and then following Sunday, we're going to have a 10 a.m. service, and then we're going to have an 8.30 service. Um, there's going to be, um, it'll be just a normal Sunday morning service on the 31st, and then Sunday night, we'll come back in here and have our watch night service. We'll be doing communion and foot washing, and we're looking forward to seeing what God's going to do in our midst. I'm looking forward to seeing what God's going to do in 24. Amen. I'm thankful. I'm thankful that God's hand is evident in each and every one of our lives still today. And uh, just praying that you keep, keep those that are, are going through these things in your prayers. Uh, continue praying for Tobin, that God would touch that little boy's body. And uh, continue praying for my sister Rebecca, that God would heal her body quickly. Amen. And uh, Brother Tuffy, I don't think I said that about him a while ago, but he's got some pain going on that doesn't know what's up, so just keep him in your prayers, and uh, I prayed for him a while ago during pre-service prayer, but keep him in your prayers as well, amen. We're going to come together, have a good time on Sunday, we love each and every one of you, amen. God bless you, and we're dismissed tonight in Jesus' name.